Hey Firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the Firecracker Department. We have got some amazing announcements coming up for Firecracker directors, actors, producers. This is an event you're all going to want to get in on. But first, here's a little personal update. How are you folks with change? I I'm not sure I'm very good at it. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. My husband's going to uh, shoot something in Vancouver for a little while. So we are sort of adjusting to the change that we are about to face. And um, I mean, I have to be okay with it because it's going to happen. But there's part of me that has so enjoyed our time together. And during the pandemic, we've really, like it, it feels really good just to be together. You know, with my folks passing away, it's also been good to just pull together him and I as a team. And I, I love it. I love our life. We have some laughs. We make some nice meals. And uh, we realize that we really like each other. And that's been, um, it's been a real treat. So now we're adjusting to him being away a little bit. And I'm not sure how that's going to be. Um, I'll check in with you later on about it because it hasn't happened just yet. But there's part of me that's, um, okay, who's kidding who? I'm an ambivert. I like spending time by myself. And I also like spending time being social. So there's a part of me that's really looking forward to <laughs> letting the dishes pile up, um, eating craft dinner for breakfast if I want, um, you know, that kind of thing. But honestly, I would give up all those things <laughs> just to be with him. It's not like I'd be giving up a lot. We get to really be the people we need to be around each other. Um, but I do look forward to a little bit of solitude because I think it's, um, it's interesting to see what happens with yourself when you're still and quiet and on your own. So when we were able to travel, I always tried to travel once a year by myself, just to make sure that I was, um, I don't know, checking in with my own skills. Cause you know, when you travel with somebody else, somebody like takes care of the money, the other person takes care of like the navigation. And so you sort of share the load. So when you're traveling by yourself, you have to really take it all on yourself. And um, I think it's such a cool time of self-discovery. So. I kind of look forward to being alone and I'm kind of heading into it with a little bit of trepidation, but knowing that he's working and doing what he loves, that helps. And uh, we're figuring out how to be together as soon as possible. But um, yeah, it's kind of a weird time. So how do you deal with change? Hashtag firecracker change and give me any pieces of advice you might have because I'd love them all. I'm going to embrace it. Craft dinner, hot dogs for breakfast, bring it on. See how that works for me. I mean, two days later, I'll be like, sneak us, get back to some healthy eating. Who's kidding who? Two days? No. Two weeks? Maybe. I'll keep in touch with you and tell you how it's going. Maybe next week I'll be just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going nuts. I mean, here's the thing. If you find the right partner, you just get to be the person you want to be anyway. So there's not really that many restrictions, but uh, I like the guy. I like spending time with him. So it'll be an interesting transition. I'll keep you in touch. Okay, here's my shout out. Okay, this is exciting. This is so exciting. We've been wanting to get this one started for ages and it's finally time. Time for this event to blast off. We are ready to launch the very first event in our Firecracker Department Mentorship Series, a spotlight on directors. Yes! Okay, this is how it's gonna work. It's gonna be like a digital speed dating but like way more fun and chill and not so sweaty. So stay tuned to our socials for director announcements because we've got a bunch lined up that I'm so excited to have on this event uh, and get ready. It's an amazing lineup, as I said, of 
Firecracker directors from The Handmaid's Tale, Working Moms, Bless This Mess, the new Netflix Ginny in Georgia, and more. Incroyable! Your ticket will get you into this amazing treasure trove of terrific tidbits and truly tangible advice for some fierce, freaking fantastic Firecracker directors. The event's going to have an intimate breakout room where you can speak with the directors directly, as, you know, one should directly to directors. Makes sense. You're going to get direction on how to direct, on what challenges they've faced, and connect with other attendees, and maybe make some connections and network for future projects of your own. There's a sliding scale for ticket prices, so look out for options to sponsor an additional ticket for someone who could use it. And consider spreading some firecracker inspiration to others, because, you know, we want to make these events accessible to everybody, and I know funds aren't always easy for everybody, so... So if you ever see an event that you're like, oh, I wish I could afford that, please reach out to us. We'll make sure it happens somehow. Congratulations to Veronica Martin, who is the head of the mentorship department, and also Amelia Copeland and Kathleen Harkwell, who have stepped in on that team. Super excited to have this team together. And oh my gosh, this event's going to be amazing. So join us. Our guest on the show this week is writer, director, and producer Melanie Oates. Okay, I became an instant fan of Melanie's when I started researching her, and I know you will be too after listening to this conversation. Melanie is from Newfoundland and has such a variety of skills and inspiring work to her name. She's a winner of the Percy Jane's First Novel Award. She has written and directed and produced five short films and a digital comedy series. She was also a costume designer for the feature films Cast No Shadow and Closet Monster. I mean, I'm an actor, producer, I sometimes write, I sometimes direct, but I mean, the costume aspect, I I don't think I'd be up for that. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm not somebody who cares about clothing, not so much. But I love them, like I love when somebody puts like a an outfit together for me that I'm like, oh, that's comfortable <laughs> and that's cool and I like how I look at it. it, makes me feel confident. I like all those things. I just don't have the passion for it to um, to put the earrings with the necklace and the thing with the being, unless it's like, wanna change those heels into running shoes? That's the kind of costume designer I would be. Who wants to swap heels for shoes? Anyone? <laughs> that would make me a very, um, Unemployed costume designer, I would think. Melanie's been part of some amazingly prestigious programs across Canada, including the Women in the Directors Chair Story and Leadership Program and the Canadian Academy's Directors Program. She's so involved and into learning and education of filmmaking, and we cannot, I mean, we cannot wait to see her grow and just get even bigger and bolder. Her first feature film, Body and Bones, was selected to be part of the 2019 Whistler Film Festival. And lately, Melanie is currently in development with her second feature film, Sweet Angel Baby. Of course, we had this chat over the Zoom, Zoom Zoom Room, as everybody's doing. But I have to say, it felt like we were in each other's homes, dealing with real life during the interview. And, you know, that's kind of part of the beauty of making this kind of last year work in some way, that I feel like... I can really get to know our guests, even though we're in Zoom spaces, whether it's getting to meet their little pubs or hearing the occasional screaming children. Um, I'll take it. I love all the different aspects of people's lives coming into our interviews. And as I said, I just, Melanie, I just found us completely connected right away. And I know you'll feel the same way after hearing this chat. So let's get to know this new firecracker now. Here's my conversation with Melanie Oates. You know, one of my favorite things about Firecracker Department is we talk to people that 
have like 20 years experience. And then we talk to people that maybe have less experience, but equally as passionate about their creative career and journey. Um, I'd love a little bit of like intel on like what your, what kind of childhood you had that kind of guided you towards where you are now. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I grew up in Vermeuse, which is a small fishing town in Newfoundland. It only has about 250 people. Okay. So, you know, when I say small town, I mean like very small, small town. town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of um, an environment where everybody's famous a little bit because, you know, everybody knows the ins and outs of everybody's <laughs> daily life and business in an a mm -hmm. overly intimate way, I would say. Um, but yeah, so I moved to St. John's when I was 18 to go to university and I did, um, a film studies minor. And so and was that always how... part of your, your, your goals? Like when you were a kid, were you like film? I'm all about film, all about film. No, no, not at all. It wasn't even something that I considered a possibility. It never like what? dawned on me as a a job that I could have. I always liked writing, yeah. but I didn't even really know what a director was or what they did, or even that people outside of, you know, Hollywood land made movies. Right. Right. Yeah. It yeah. seemed like a very far away thing. And it was, it was coming to St. John's and, um, I kind of was really hungry to explore like the local art scene and, music and theater and everything and mm -hmm. uh one of the one of the things I went to was the St. John's International Women's Film Festival yeah. and I remember sitting there and kind of being a bit gobsmacked by the idea of all these women making movies mm. I think that was kind of the first idea that it's somewhere in the realm of possibility yeah you know? was there like somebody like a like a mentor a cheerleader around you that was like yeah keep going yeah, I would say I had, um, I did a program through NIFCO, which is the Newfoundland Film Co-op, um, which they do like a first time film program. And I had a mentor that was Alison White, who she's like one of my best friends now, but she's a producer and a filmmaker. And um, she was definitely a mentor for me early on. And even now I still, mm -hmm. you know, run all my scripts by her and get her advice on everything. And so she was, uh, she was a, a real champion of mine in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so you're watching films and you're, I mean, gosh, in a, in a town of that small population, there's maybe two filmmakers in that town and you're one of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are no other ones that I know of, but there might be some budding ones. Right. Right. And yeah. so when, so you, you, you went to school in St. John and, and were you able to like find your people there? Like, were you able to go, okay, this is what I wanna do. Cause I feel like whenever we start school and I went to school for acting. And even when I started, I was like, I don't know, maybe this is what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. And then I remember the, the flip when I went, oh no, this is what I have to do. Do you remember that flip? Right. Um, I guess I sort of, I always had the idea of writing, but mm -hmm. For directing, I think the flip came, I, after I finished um, university, I started, I got a job doing like background costumes for mm -hmm. uh, the TV show Republic of Doyle. And I think it was yeah, there and being on set and, you know, watching the directors and seeing, uh, you know, how the sausage is made, as they say, that I was like, yeah. you know, yeah. I think, I think I could 
could do that and it seemed like a really challenging thing to do but also just the to have the ownership of your writing mm. to be able mm-hmm. to um you know guide the vision was I th- I think that was the main attraction in the beginning was just a kind of ownership of my writing the idea of passing it over to somebody else made me a little bit weary yeah you know people don't know that a lot of times you know when writers create something they they basically give it away and let somebody else edit and chop it Mm -hmm. up and change it as much as they want to. You don't have any control. So I completely understand that. Were you watching the directors on Republic of Doyle? And was there something about it that like hit you and your personality type that you were like, oh, that's definitely in my my realm? Um, You know, one of the uh, directors that came for an episode was Helen Schaefer. Yeah, right. And I think it was, you know, when she came and because before that, you know, in TV everywhere, especially, I mean, now it's a bit better, but it's been a lot of, of men directing and yeah, you don't have to hesitate. That's exactly right. We're just changing it now. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Here we are doing it. Um, and she was, she was just fully herself when she was doing it. You know, she was like Mm. wearing, like this really cool like flowy vest and these really cool boots and she was um you know she would stop in between uh setups and I remember she came over and chatted with me and a friend who was also doing background costumes and it's like you know a lot of directors don't even see uh people in those roles Mm -hmm. in the crew they just deal with you know the kind of higher ups and just the way that she was so um warm Mm -hmm. and uh just her approach uh in general really you know grounded the idea to me that Mm -hmm. um you know I could see myself through the way that she approached it if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I absolutely do I just think it's so important to have those kind of experiences with folks like that that you're like because I watched it I can see myself doing that and I, mm-hmm. I always like playing the game I mean you've had your own set now but when somebody is an up-and-coming director or writer and I'm like what are you going to do when you own that when you own the writer's room when you are the director so learning from people like Helen Shaver I think is vital mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what is, what kind of director are you what would you say you bring to the director table that might be special and from and not everybody else does it Hmm. Well, I think um, just my relationship with the crew, having been a crew member for so long, you know, I really uh, understand kind of Mm -hmm. the ins and outs of what everybody's job is and recognize, uh, you know, the level of skill they have, their creativity, what they're contributing. And um, I think I have a really good relationship just with with the crew and Mm you know, through that, they kind of uh, rally around me and uh, support me. And I think like go an extra mile that they might not otherwise, especially here in Newfoundland, you know, that's definitely the the, uh, experience Mm -hmm. that I've had. And um, so I think that's definitely a strength for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot lately about the idea of vulnerability as a strength, which you know, could definitely a hundred percent seen as a weakness, but, you know, just admitting when maybe you don't know exactly 
what you want, taking the time to uh, bring other people in, chat about it, or, mm-hmm. you know, even with actors, um, you know, because they're so vulnerable all the time, they're putting like their whole heart and soul out there for everybody to judge and just relating on that level. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think vulnerability is a strength. I mean, Brene Brown's taught us that, right? We can step into that. Yes. Come yes, on now. Yeah. <laughs> we we have permission. Yeah, but I do love that. Like it's funny. I think uh, who was that that said that they they oh it was um it was Molly McGlynn and she was saying how mm-hmm. like sometimes she goes on to set and she she's open to ideas and some people treat that like oh if you're open to ideas you don't have a clear vision but I think if you're open to ideas that puts you in a place of collaboration and strength. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Hmm. And I think that's more of a, um, you know, if you think about uh, masculinity and femininity, not even in relation to gender, but just as like, you know, their Mm -hmm. own entities, the kind of, um, you know, structure of what it means to be a director is kind of masculine and it's uh, like rigidity and it's kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, you see the, the model of the Hollywood director who's shouting and controlling and it's like you know exactly what he wants and his vision and but you know I like the idea of of allowing room for a more kind of feminine approach which is more like intuitive Mm. and uh collaborative and like more more of a a heart-centered approach I guess I would say yeah and I mean how have you taught yourself to speak different languages because I I hear what you're saying and you're my kind of director because <laughs> I do love that. I love having moments of like, what, what's, what, what's going on in your heart right now? Which I don't always get from directors, but there's somebody right. else that's like, oh man, I don't want to talk about what's in my heart. I just want to get to it, get to the action. So how do you yeah, speak yeah. all these languages as a director? Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely a thing to be negotiated is when, you know, it's one thing when it's your own uh, film or show and you're the creator and you're the mm-hmm. director and you know you really have the ability to make the kind of environment uh, that you want but you know if you're if you're a director for hire on a tv show that's kind of a different thing you have to mm-hmm. you know you have to sort of perform director in a certain uh, to a certain extent you know so that everybody knows what their jobs is what's happening so you can kind of yeah. keep the machine uh, moving so yeah, there's definitely a time and place for both, I would say. Yeah. Well, have you found yourself in a moment of like vulnerability that served you, like a specific story? Hmm, good question. I'm thinking about Body and Bones and um, the the main actor, uh, Kelly Vanderberg, who she does an amazing job in, in the movie and she, mm-hmm. um, you know, had to make herself super vulnerable. Wow, um, yeah. Yeah, and she... I mean, she was amazing, amazing to watch just how she was able to get to those places. Um, And a lot of times, you know, she didn't really even require that much from me. You know, she'd done all the work. She knew the character so well. She was just able uh, to get there. But uh, I remember we were shooting the, um, there's a scene where she's sitting on the beach and she's uh, sitting in front of a fire and uh, she, is worried about losing um, losing 
uh, a connection with the love interest and she's about to take some mushrooms and she was just sitting there and she was kind of like she was worried about you know just like logistics of the scene and ha- and then she has to go and get in the ocean which is a whole thing and um yeah oh I just God. remember sitting there with her and the crew was kind of on the background doing their thing and um you know just uh having talking to her about you know that desperation that you feel when somebody that you have such strong feelings for and attachment to the when you are at risk of losing them and what that feels like and uh, we were having like this lovely conversation. Then we look out in the ocean, and all of a sudden, a whale breaches. No. Oh my god! <laughs> and we both just looked at each other, and we're like, "Whoa! Wow! That was trippy." I, yeah. I think we hit something good there. Yeah. Now yeah. go jump in the water and swim with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she did. Yeah, that's. I mean, watching that, I was like, that alone you know, like for the emotional journey of an actor and then to also be challenged with a physical thing, like like the coldness of water in the ocean or, mm-hmm. you know. The Atlantic the Ocean in October, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean that, uh, I, I just love those kind of moments because I think that you've connected with your actor in a way that you can speak the same language, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And you've, I mean, Body and Bones was your first feature, right? You've done shorts before yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. I don't know that step into that role because I mean there must have been a part of you that was like it's like a short but longer and mm-hmm. <laughs> tell yeah. me about how which it's that- not that's no. what I kept telling myself too and it it's not the same at all it's like um it's funny I, I remember in the months leading up to it even though you know we had our funding we had our cast everything was moving in the direction of uh starting to shoot and I just Mm -hmm. always had this this feeling of oh yeah but it's not going to happen and then even when we're a week before we're supposed to start I'm like oh yeah everything's ready but there's no way it's going to happen you know even when we're shooting I'm like yeah but something will go wrong and it won't happen (laughs) you're one of those yeah I just like had this disbelief that it was going to be real and um yeah, the, <laughs> I guess the, the idea of, you know, when you're, you're making shorts and web series and things like that is like the idea of the feature is such a like big mm-hmm. kind of beast to wrangle, mm-hmm. but you know, you just, you just do it um, bit by bit. And I was, you know, panicked that there would be things that I wouldn't know or be able to do or that I wouldn't be able to handle it. But you know, you just kind of know what you need to know as you need to know it. And then you can figure out things that you don't know, you know, mm-hmm. as you need to figure them out. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a test of your endurance, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and was that like, you know, I think there's such an important moment when you feel like you can own the title of being a director. Was Did that come on Body and Bones or did you feel like you you are claiming that title before then? Um, to be honest, I still kind of struggle with saying that I claim the title of writer a lot, uh, more easily. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is. I guess I'm definitely closer now that I've made body and bones, but 
there's something in me that has some resistance toward it. Like I find if I'm at a party and somebody asks me what I do, mm-hmm. I'll say writer usually, or, you know, I might push myself to say filmmaker or something, but um, yeah, the title of director mm-hmm. is kind of, yeah, I don't know why. Maybe yeah. it's, I feel like um, because everything I've done so far has been my own that mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe when somebody else hires me to direct, then yeah. I'll be a director or, yeah, so I'm, I'm working on that one. I mean, you're not alone with that kind of, what's it called? Um, is it, what's it, fraud? No, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, like that, mm-hmm. yeah, I think artists, yeah, the artists struggle with because I think it is a financial thing that you kind of go, well, when somebody else pays me for it, then I can claim that title, but I, yeah, I, I, that's an interesting disconnect for me to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What do you say when people ask you what your job <laughs> is? Because um, you do tons of things too, right? Yeah, I say it. I'm I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. I say I'm an actor, comedian. Um, yeah, I I mean I write, but I don't. I think it's not so much of a connection to a financial thing with writer. It's more like. I don't feel like I own that. I don't wake up in the morning hungry to write. Right. It's not part of my passion. I like writing and I like directing mm-hmm. and producing, but I love acting. It's part of my heart. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, acting is, uh, I have such admiration for actors. I just, just being able to be that vulnerable in front of so many people, it's, yeah, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you, I mean, actors kind of crave it. So having directors like you that allow space for that, I think is really exciting. It probably makes actors drawn to you uh, for your projects, even if it's like, you know, your own, your own budget or your own Mm -hmm. funding and everything else. Uh, Yeah, working with actors is the the best part of the job. Yeah, we're pretty great. Yeah. But now, so you've, you've written and directed all your, all your work so far. And mm-hmm. um, now there's also the, this thing that um, people don't realize when you commit to a project, that it's not just like, I'm going to make this film. It's like a, it's like a big time and emotional commitment. I'm not sure how long from start to end body and bones took you, but I know it's an investment. How do you choose these stories knowing that that's the one you want to carry through to the finish line? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, because it is, it does take so long. And uh, I found myself in like thinking about next projects, I've started, you know, a few different things. And that is a question that I ask myself is like, can I see myself working on this for three, five, seven years, you know, however long it takes and um, body and bones started, I guess I worked on the script um like on and off for probably four or five years before we shot it and then you know you shoot it and then uh we edited it over a year and then like the next year is when it did festivals and so yeah it was yeah it's been a long time and you know I'm but how do you know that was now so that's like you know a huge chunk of my adult life has been working on that movie and uh you know I'm I've been like four different people along that that track so yeah and how did you know that Body and Bones was the right track to be on like why did that story 
Um, yeah, I, I don't have like a, it's more of a, you know, I was thinking, I guess, a lot about, um, because when I started writing it, I guess I was like in my early-ish 20s and I was, you know, dating a bunch and, um, you know, very unhappily single and mm -hmm. uh, had gone through a couple of those relationships where I'd really like been so into somebody that I kind of like lost my head about it a bit. Yeah, um, we've all been there. And, yeah, I know. That's part of the journey, right? If we didn't have heartache, we'd have nothing to create from. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to see a movie about a, a boy that meets a girl and everything goes right. And, everything, and then the end, <laughs> they want to no. see the challenges <laughs> along the way. Yeah, totally. That's what gives it the, you know, human texture. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, so I guess just kind of uh, reflecting on those relationships. And then I was just, I got really kind of, obsessed with um just the when I when I imagined Tess and then like Danny came into uh being which you know I don't really know exactly where they came from but just the dynamic of them and and the mm -hmm. tension and you know how we can um sort of compromise ourselves when we uh you know do give that much power to somebody else and so it wasn't wasn't yeah. so much like a conscious choice that this is going to be uh the story these are the characters like mm. more of a thing that I was kind of slowly uh obsessing about and couldn't let go and then it grew into yeah, yeah. was it hard I mean this must have been a very personal film for you so was it hard to expose that part of you talk about vulnerability mm -hmm. yeah it it's funny, you know, when I when I first started writing the script, the Tess was a lot different. She was sort of like, um, you know, what we talk about, like strong female leads or like, you know, powerful women. And I was trying to make her a bit more sassy and a bit more of like a wild child and um you know, but over the over the drafts it was when I sort of peel the layers of my own uh, experience. And it's like, you know, when you think about something in your own life and all of a sudden you just feel like racked with shame or discomfort mm -hmm. or, um, you know, em embarrassment, then you know you've kind of hit on something that's yeah. worth saying. And so it was just, you know, over the drafts, kind of getting more and more of those moments and letting go of um, what I was trying to make her and just allowing her to be kind of, you know, embarrassing sometimes and yeah. like letting her, you know, mess up and- Be flawed. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's so funny how somewhere along the lines, we thought that being flawed is a sign of weakness. It is, yeah, and and I think you know in um, portraying women and girls on screen, it's like now we're at a place where we don't have to just show powerful women, or um, you know we can have characters that are like the antihero, which yeah. is has been so um, you know like the Don Drapers and the Walter Whites, and yeah, you know that we've seen so many of those men. 
Yeah. I mean, you know what? You're actually echoing something I read that Phoebe Waller-Bridge said about like, when you're, if you find something's really difficult to write, that's actually what you should be writing. But yeah. the challenge is like going into it because it's not an mm -hmm. easy journey to, to follow through. Yeah, of just actually sitting there and, and writing it and not squirming the entire time. Yeah, or squirming and finding a way to write through the squirm. Right through the squirm. Yeah, That's right through the squirm. I like that, <laughs> yep. And then also, like, I mean, I think the world is just now accepting that women can be flawed on TV and film. Yeah, I think that? so too. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you see this in all sorts of... Um, you know, when, when barriers have to be broken down and we're making room for more stories of like, you know, um, black people, people of color, indigenous stories, like queer stories. It's almost like you have to, the, the first step is always, okay, we're gonna show these people um, being empowered and kind of like, um, mm you know, being a, a strong example. And uh, then the second step is like, oh, now we can allow them to be like complex human right. beings mm -hmm. who, you know, yeah, are, are unlikable and are flawed. And, you know, that's where we're, where we need to get. And that's, you know, how we know we're actually making progress, I think, is when we have a whole variety of representations of all kinds of people. Yeah. And it's the more relatable too at the end. Like nobody, I'm not going to identify with somebody who's perfect. No, and interesting, right? That's yeah. why we all love Mad Men. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've been doing this for how long, Melanie? How, how many years have you been pursuing this? Um, I made my first short in 2012. So a while. Yeah, yeah long enough um, to know that this is like something you, you're in this game. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. must be pursuing something like a, like a, you have a vision for what you are pursuing because it's, it's what motivates us. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm going through a bit of a shakeup in terms of uh, just like my own identity and my own ambitions and everything, because I just had a baby uh, like yeah. 10 weeks ago. Oh, wow. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, um, I'm newly a mom and that's yeah. kind of made me think about things in no uh, a different way and like what is important and uh you know what I want to do and yeah so my time is just I guess like a lot more important and yeah I can't believe you have time for me and you have a newborn baby 10 weeks old that's incredible oh it's kind of nice to um you know have a, a chat about making things and uh touch that part of myself again for a minute yeah absolutely yeah. I'm just yeah. starting now to get the itch to get back to uh writing a bit and because in the last few months of my pregnancy too I wasn't feeling like motivated to to do any of my own work either mm -hmm. so it's been a few months and yeah it'll, it'll be good now I, I think I'm gonna be a lot more efficient I mean, I think you kind of have to be because you've got this other little being that's going to be demanding um, some some set time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, she's very hungry. So. Um, so, so, I mean, that must alter your vision of success. So tell me, tell me, yeah, how, how does, how has that changed? Because as a filmmaker, as a new filmmaker, you must be like, Oscar, Los Angeles, uh, I don't know, Hollywood, like having big, big dreams and then having a baby, everything changes. 
Mm. Not necessarily yeah. for the worse or better, but just changes. No, but just different. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I'm sort of at this place now where I'm, I'm trying to decide like what kind of jobs I want to go for. Um, because, you know, I sort of like my favorite uh, uh, creators now are like, I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I love um, uh, Michaela Cole. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And, yeah. you know, there are all these amazing women who, you know, make their own things. They make, they make work with integrity. They have a really strong voice that comes through all their work. And, you know, that's always been the kind of work that I want to do. Um, but now I'm like, you know, I also have to pay bills and like mm-hmm. support a child. So if that means going to Northern Ontario and shooting a Christmas movie, is that something that I'm going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Priorities um, change. Yeah. And I always thought that, uh, you know, keeping kind of integrity in your work is super important and I still I do think that that's like one of the most important things but also like uh supporting your family is integrity in its own way and yeah um you know being in a place where you don't have to do jobs that maybe you're not thrilled about is a real place of privilege too and uh yeah, so I'm just kind of like figuring all these things out now as I go. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see what happens in the next couple of years. I mean, I am working on a couple of uh, feature projects of my own that hopefully I'll be shooting. But yeah, I and I want to get into TV directing and yeah, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah, I know that there's some, I can't remember what the pillars are. I'm going to make them, I'm going to paraphrase the heck out of them, but it's like choosing projects that either serve your heart, your pocketbook, or your soul. And it's remember, it's important to have like two of the three. So if it just oh, serves yeah, like yeah. your pocketbook, it's not a great project. If it just serves your soul, maybe it's not a great project. I don't know. Do you right. have that kind of like um, watermark? I like that. I like that way of looking at it. And, uh, you know, I'm also just interested in directing more because I have only made my own things and mm-hmm. it's been, you know, I'll make one thing and then a year or two sometimes will go by before I get to do it again. And it's like just yeah. an opportunity to practice the skills and, yeah. um, you know, just work out your directing muscles is really appealing. So I think that could be a good reason for, for uh, taking something on too. Yeah, I think you're not alone. Like, I think a lot of like the folks in the firecracker department, you know, they've either never directed and they're like, how do I start directing? Or they've directed a little bit and they want, how do I get to the next level? So having this kind of insight, I think is is really important. And as you said, like, you've got to practice your craft. Like, I mean, mm. I go crazy if I'm not performing in some way because it's my it's my heart. So so what are you doing that that is sort of propelling you to the next level? Um. Well, for the last year, I've been mostly writing and, you know, that's great because that's something you can always do just in your own, uh, when you feel like it, you don't need uh, a million dollars or permission from a bunch of different production companies or whatever to do it. You can just do it. Um, But I also, I was part of a program 
um, that the Canadian Academy had for um, getting women uh, like shadowing positions on TV shows so that you can get into directing. And so I had just started that last March. Um, I was shadowing on a new Netflix show called Sex Life. And well, we all know what happened last March. Oh my gosh, your timing was not great. didn't get to finish that. No. So um, yeah, hopefully I can get back to that when, when the world settles down a bit. Well, what kind of advice would you give to folks that are in your position when you've directed a little bit, but you know, and we are, I don't know how long we're in this COVID world, but we still need to move forward creatively. What what do you Mm -hmm. you suggest? Um, Well, you know, if you're not, writing is one thing but if you're if you're looking to direct or or produce I think you know when I first started uh making things I made all of my shorts well my first few especially for nothing I just uh or you know like two thousand dollars yeah basically nothing in in uh in the film world um you know I just a friend of mine who was a, a cinematographer agreed to do it. And then I would have friends who acted or, yeah. you know, actors who were just looking for more experience, that kind of thing, and just, you know, made it happen. And then through having that work to show, then I was able to get uh, funding for, mm-hmm. you know, more things and kind of grew that way because I didn't go to film school uh you know, so I really learned uh, in a hands-on way like that. So I would say, you know, it's a it's advice that a lot of people give, but it's just make something. And even though it is COVID and, you know, you can't have a big crew gathered together, there are a lot of, like, I've seen really cool things done with, like, Zoom films and, yeah, just just yeah. Do, make something. Make something. I know, just make get to something. work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It drives me bonkers when folks are like, oh, I want to be this or I want to do this. And I'm like, great. So what are you doing? Because yeah, like, we all have the, the power. Beginning. It might not be like, you know, like the Matrix or something like that at first, mm-hmm. but we can like do what we want to do. We can be our own boss. Yeah. And especially if you want to uh, be a filmmaker, it costs a lot of money to make a film or a TV show, you know, so you have to show people that you... Yeah can be uh trusted and responsible with that kind of money yeah yeah I don't like proofs in the pudding too like the amount of effort that it takes to make one of your short films it's a lot even if it's like a two thousand dollar budget film it's a lot of work it's a lot of focus and juggling of your own life so if you aren't up for that then you can't prove that you're going to be when you have like a two hundred thousand dollar budget no, you you really can't wait for somebody to give you permission to do it. You just kind of no. gotta, you know, go for it. I love that. Is there anything, do you have a vision of something that is lacking and that you would like a little bit more or less of? Yeah, well, balance is an interesting concept, isn't it? I, yeah, isn't I would, it? It's not possible. Who's kidding who? No, it's not possible. And I, I sort of don't strive for it uh, anymore, or at least not in, um, I guess... A typical way I sort of look at at balance like over a lifetime instead mm. of like through a day or a week it's like I'm in a season right now where 
I'm very much at home and like a lot of my time is going to looking after a little baby and it will be for, mm-hmm. you know, the next year or so and any, uh, any extra time I have. And then after the year, care. they're fine, right? Oh yeah. Then they just like go on their marriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I don't have kids, so I need to be educated. <laughs> or at least maybe <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're not breastfeeding every hour and a half yeah. to two hours but here's your um, car keys off you go yeah it's been fun um <laughs> yeah and so any extra time I have you know I'm gonna try to work on my own projects but that probably means mm-hmm. that I'm not seeing you know my friends as much as I would like or you know maybe mm-hmm. my house is like a devastating mess or mm-hmm. but you know in another season I'll have plenty of time for you know other things and it's kind of like looking at at the bigger picture in terms of balance then you know you don't have to tick off you know your 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 productivity uh yeah. each day I've, I've been like I'm a I'm trying to be a recovering to-do list maker go on tell me everything I don't know that <sighs> that world of no to-do lists yeah I i I've really been addicted to the to-do list and a slave to the to-do list for, you know, ever. And I, (laughs) I was talking to my friend about how we're so into our to-do, to-do list that if something comes up in the day that wasn't on our to-do list that we had to jump on, that we'll then add it to the to-do list after the fact just so we can cross it off so it has I know. To be there's sure. like a whole there's a whole concept around to-do list I had the same conversation with Caitlin Cronenberg and we were like the satisfaction of like taking a to-do and amalgamating two and then ripping one up oh, and like I'm not yeah, to the point that good. I'll write something down that I've done that doesn't I don't do that I feel like that's cheating on the to-do list category but I do <laughs> know the value <laughs> Um, yeah, I have, to, I, have, I think I will die with to-do lists in my pocket. Yeah. So, so be it. I'm experimenting with a, a done list. Tell me. So like at the end of the day, because especially now I'm, oh, I'm kind list. of, I thought, you, uh, I thought you said a dumb list and I'm like, I'm in on that one too, but a dumb <laughs> list. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm number one on the dumb list. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. To just kind of like you can because you know productivity is such a a, such a buzz Mm -hmm. not even word but idea and lifestyle and especially you know on social media and things like that like being productive is um like fetishized almost and Mm -hmm. there are certain things that are considered productive and certain things that maybe aren't valued as much you know so mm-hmm. I, I was feeling like I was kind of getting lost in like you know just a day of like you know taking care of a baby and like doing a couple of other things but it was like at the end of the day oh I didn't do anything today so I was like wait a second let's just like look at this again and so I ha- I was doing like a dumb list of like everything that I actually did that day yeah which you know might be like giving the baby a bath, going to a doctor's yeah. appointment, answering emails, like, yeah. you know, which, you know, is an accomplishment right now. <laughs> no, but I think that's a really healthy place to be because I mean, what are you going to have on your to-do list? Like 
finish my memoirs, start and finish my memoirs, uh, start and finish <laughs> my taxes. That's just not going to happen. But I, but reflecting back and recognizing the victories of the day, I think is really healthy because even if you do nothing, you can be like, I just shut down for a day, done, check. And that's something yes. really good. Yeah, yeah. I've also been thinking about that, you know, the idea of being mindfully mindless, just like giving yourself permission to kind of like check out for the day or an evening or whatever. Yes. And like, you know, just really going full like reboot mode. Like I'm yeah. going to watch junk TV, eat some popcorn and like not yes. have a thought in my brain. Oh my God. Yeah. I think those are so, and people think, oh, like they think I'm always busy. I have lots of like eating Nutella out of the jar moments where I'm Love just like that. watching <laughs> right it's important yeah. it is so, yeah so you're gonna you're gonna bring up this baby perfectly and it's going to um start driving in a year or so yes can't first wait baby for to drive a car um what what else is in your future if I gave you an envelope that had like the perfect the perfect job the perfect place without any kind of like thinking how am I going to make it work with baby mm, and lifestyle mm -hmm. what would be in the envelope yeah. um I love to get to a place where I um, have a good, here's this word again, balance of, you know, working on my own things and then uh, working on like TV or um, even mm -hmm. like directing a film that somebody else wrote. But I'd love to have, you know, a couple of months a year where I'm writing and like working on things that I'm developing and then you know go into a chunk of months where I'm making a film or directing a tv show and then you know just that kind of um time where I can be at home and writing and that kind of like introverty time and then I can you know when I'm sick of my own company like go out into the world and collaborate yeah. and um you know, have that like very extroverted kind of like physical, um, more active time. Yeah. Yeah. That does seem ideal. It's I'm like, I'm sort of an ambivert where I love my time by myself and I also love social time. Yeah. Yeah. You need one to tolerate the other. Yeah, absolutely. Was there, um, I just want to go back for a second to your body and bones film. And was there like I hate calling them mistakes, but was there, cause I don't really believe that there are mistakes. I think we're just, we're just lessons. So was there like a lesson that you learned in that movie that uh, you'll always carry with you for the, all the movies that you're going to make? <laughs> um, there were a lot of lessons that I learned <laughs> making that movie. Um, I think one, one big one was, um, well, a very practical one that might be interesting to other uh, directors is I really got a good mix of kind of um, a variety of performances um, mm. in different takes uh, of scenes mm -hmm. and I, you know, within, within reason, there's not like, let's try one where you're laughing. And then another way, you know, that was an uh, English accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one is Mr. Bean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but I found it so useful in editing in a way that I didn't really anticipate because, uh, you know, being so much in Tess's perspective and so much mm -hmm. of the tone is, um, relies on, you know, subtleties of her emotion, even like her facial expressions or, so, you know, there could, could be a take that was just like, which I wouldn't even really notice on the day, but she was just like a teeny tiny bit, like too upbeat that threw the whole rhythm of the thing off. Mm. And then I would find a take where she was like a, like a little teeny tiny bit more somber. And then that would like ring completely true. So right. just, you know, having like a good variety of things to play with so that you're not just getting the same performance over and over again. Yeah, I love that so much. And as an actor, you want that too, because you want to kind of give like a buffet of, of, you know, something to your director to edit with later on. Mm -hmm. You know, you have an idea of what you want, but you don't maybe like the exact beat might not be clear until you like see the whole picture when you're when you're in editing. Right. Yeah. There's this director and I loved what she was talking about with directing where she would say, I'm going to do one take that's yours, one take that's mine, and then one take that's silent. So mm -hmm. she would take out the text entirely. And I was like, that's such a beautiful gift, not only to give the actor, because then you're like just dropping into your heart, but also that must be so valuable to edit later on. Wow. Yeah. Because then you can really use that in so many places. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the scene. Yeah. Oh, I'm Ooh, so, yeah, I'm so excited to see where you go and what you, what you develop. It's a, it's a pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, you too. This was great. It uh, fueled me up to uh, get back to doing some of my work. Yeah. You're going to have to put that baby in all your movies now. Yeah. She's really cute. So oh, I, can, I can kind of imagine. Um, I'm <laughs> going to wrap it up with some firecracker wrap up questions. Are you ready? Yep. Fill in the blank. To me, a firecracker is? Mm, powerful. Love it. What do you want to be best known for? Uh, making people feel like they can really be themselves when they're in my company. I like that a lot. Um, two words to describe your present state of mind. Um, hectic and content. I love it. Um, if this was a movie and this is like the end of your movie, what would you say is the climactic moment of your life that has happened so far? I mean, this baby's got to be one. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was an event. Um, what's something that people don't know about you? Mm, maybe that I'm a twin. Oh, gosh. There's a whole other podcast around twins. I love it. Um, mm. What is something that you haven't done but you know you need to do? Travel more yeah mm -hmm. yeah where where would you go oh there's so many places I want to go um oh my my baby daddy his uh dad is from Trinidad and Tobago so I've never been there but I'm really excited to take her there and yes. his her grandma is from England so I'm excited to take her to England and uh. yeah yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, I always think that it's important, like in firecracker department world, that we sort of pay the uh, pay the celebration forward. So is there somebody in your world, a firecracker in your world that we can give a shout out to? Yeah, I 
I'd love to shout out the the whole team at uh, the St. John's International Women's Film Festival because right. they have like really rocked the world of uh, so many women creators. Love it, love it. We'll definitely like give a little bit of a recognition for the work they're doing. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, finally, what's advice that you would have given to your younger self? Um, that you deserve better. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a really good one for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back at your younger self with some compassion is uh, a good experiment, I think. Yeah. And you're probably your present self, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, Melanie, I've so enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much. You too. This is so fun. Oh, she's just so, so, so lovely, right? I mean, we may complain about being on Zoom and video chatting all the time or about that production value or content during the past year or like how weird the Brady Bunch Zoom style season 12 drag race finale was. Do we need to get into that? Oh, should we get into that? I don't know if we have that much time. Or, you know, all the singing competition shows that had to adapt and basically move from stages to self-tapes which I kind of like, I have to be honest, I kind of like to see like the creative spaces that everybody was in as opposed to the generic space of the stage. It was kind of cool to watch that. Or the Emmys, which were amazing, and the Golden Globes, which were not, not so bad. And all the award shows coming up. I mean, it's not quote normal, but was normal good for everyone? I don't know, I don't think so. I think it's kind of pushed people into a whole other creative zone. So as you continue to learn about each other as humans during this time and get these truly, you know, truly priceless, incredible moments of learning and information that, I don't know, I just don't want to give up. I have to say, I would never know that Jodie Foster and her wife Alexandra have the cutest dog in pajamas of all time. And now we know that. She would have worn that to the awards, or maybe she would have, because she's the coolest. I would never have known that so many of us have the same office set up and work from home braids. I would never know how emotional we can get through just a few humans and a bunch of webcams. It's just a whole new world. And it's hard not to stop and marvel at this technology. It really is. You know, when people are having trouble with their Zoom, I'm like, you know what? This wasn't possible 10 years ago, five years ago. So let's just relish that this is possible at all. And I have to say that it's truly brought us closer together. And me personally, like I, I know that some people feel like they're, they've never been further apart, but at least we can connect. And I know the firecracker department, you know, we, we've gone more international. So we have connections with folks in the UK now that we didn't have before. And that's incredible. And don't get me wrong, these are definitely hard times and um, I'm not trying to do any kind of that toxic positivity I'm not doing that I'm just saying we got to find we got to find the light we got to find the gratitude so that we can keep going and we're still here we're still connecting you're still listening to the firecracker department you know Sydney and Winnie are putting together these podcasts every week for you so that we can all stay connected and I am so grateful for all of you you listeners you firecrackers you Melanie Oates of the world. It's incredible to even be in a place where we can do this and uh, keep going, right? I mean, at the end of the day, 
The only thing we really can do is keep going. So keep connecting. Reach out if you need to reach out, but also if you think somebody might need a little connection, reach out to them. I bet your instincts are right. So reach out. Melanie Oates, by the way, you can follow on Twitter at Melanie A. Helena and on Instagram at mel.annie.oats. That's mel.annie with a one N, Oats, as well as her first feature film at Body Bones Film. Keep that gratitude train a-going, you know? Spread some firecracker love out there. And if you're grateful for this episode or anything that maybe Melanie said, reach out to us. Let us know. Firecracker D-E-P-T. Because we always love hearing from you. We always love connecting with you. It just makes us feel in the Firecracker Core team that we're on the right track when we connect with all of you. So thank you so much to all the folks that are reaching out. Okay, we are going to see you next week for another new guest and an amazing new episode from our Real Women's Network Spotlight series. Can't wait for that. Winnie Wong is our Firecracker Head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong 8 on Twitter. Sydney Nielsen is our co-producer and head editor. You can follow them at Sydney underscore Nielsen. Sydney, like Australia. Nielsen, like milk. You can follow me on social media at my last name, at Sneekus, S-N-I-E-C-K-U-S. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. And we are so excited and feel so lucky to have two amazing, incredible firecracker interns for the winter of 2021. Fran Caviello and Saba Dolati. And I have to say, these are firecracker humans to their core, and we're so lucky to have them with us. Get into the full Firecracker Department core team at firecrackerdepartment.com slash about, because we're always updating and we're always growing. Stay tuned to our newsletter for advanced updates on our monthly meditations, upcoming mentorship workshops, live script department readings, festival partnerships, weekly writing workouts, and dates for 2021, and so much more. There's lots going on in Firecracker Department. Don't forget, we also have a weekly brunch on Zoom every Sunday and our live Firecracker follow-ups return this month. So stay tuned to our socials for who and when. Now, whether you're a first-time or a long-time listener to the Firecracker department, we always, always want to hear from you. We love hearing what quotes, the specifics, the nuances of things that stuck with you from each of the episode. We mean it. We really do. And we respond to every single thing that comes our way. If it gives your brain goosebumps or it piques your curiosity or makes you want to stop and write something down, send it back to us or our Firecracker guest or both. I mean, everybody likes to know that when they put something out into the world, that it resonates. And if it sparks something in you, use that creativity to take some creative action. Let us know. Share it because it just reverberates, you know? If you see somebody being creative, that might spark somebody else's creativity. So pay it forward. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music. And thanks to you. Yeah, you, sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there, and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at the Firecracker online community, maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. Come on and share some time with us. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time.